Hello, and welcome to Eyewitness Beauty, the podcast where we talk about the biggest stories in the beauty industry each week. I'm Nick Axelrod-Welk. And I'm Annie Creekbaum. Annie, are you mad at me? Why do you think I'm mad at you? No, I just like to ask my friends occasionally, just like to check in, see if they're mad at me. Mm, Because you wouldn't know otherwise. Exactly. And like, I'm just like, you're busy, you're like working on your top secret project, so sometimes like... I'll get an answer from a text message that doesn't have punctuation or it's all lowercase. And I'm like, fuck, she's mad at me. You know, one of the best pieces of advice I ever got in my career, it was from a male boss of mine who told me I was scary and intimidating. And he suggested I add exclamation points and happy faces to my emails and my Slack messages. I never said that. I'm not talking about oh, you, okay, Nick. Good. I was like <laughs> horrified that I called you intimidating and aggressive. Do you think that I'm intimidating and aggressive? Not at all. But I also was like, that's so sexist to like tell a female employee that like they should add smiley faces and exclamation points. My entire life. You know who else hated me? My English teacher. Probably because I wasn't putting any exclamation points. I, my English teacher hated me too. Anyway. Um, anyway, we digress. Um, how are you? I never thought... It would come to this, but I think I'm overdoing it on the cold showers. Now I'm just sleeping all the time. Oh, because, oh, you take them before bed, right? Yeah, because they help me sleep. I have terrible insomnia. I've had it for a very long time. And so I started taking these cold showers that my acupuncturist told me to do two hours before bed, ice cold for three minutes. And now all I do is sleep. Do you want to so talk about is that? How that you also are? might be depression. What, sleeping all the time? Yeah. Are you kidding me? Our podcast is doing so well. We have all these great reviews and feedback. I know. Remember to like and subscribe, please. Like, subscribe, rate. But to answer your question, I'm good. I just took my creatine. I'm on a lot of supplements now because I am in the phase of quarantine where I'm trying to like get back to my pre-quarantine weight. And so I started doing outdoor CrossFit, which has been great for my mental health and my mood, and also taking all these supplements like BCAAs, which are branched chain amino acids, which like you take in water during your workout. And then I'm taking creatine after my workout. And then I take magnesium and zinc before I go to bed. And I take a lot of fish oil. Nick, you're pregnant. I know. I'm like basically creating like a... a, a Pregnancy vitamin. Oh my uh, God. Should we do baby watch, by the way? Let's do it. So our baby. <laughs> so this is the part of the show where Nick checks what size his baby is according to different food items. Yes. Our baby is the size of a large strawberry. So not a wild strawberry. Imagine a large. Like GMO. Conventionally grown strawberry. Correct. The baby is the size of a poker chip. Okay. We got a Brussels sprout. So like this is kind of good, like strawberry Brussels sprout. We're kind of getting to like a sense where you can really kind of feel it. Can I just tell Um, you, Nick, when the baby comes out and she's, you know, can understand what you're saying, you can't compare her to food anymore. No. Like you can't be like, there's my. (laughs) (laughs) There's my profiterol. (laughs) Hero sub, ready for prom. (laughs) This is the one that like kind of gets me a little confused, which is that she's the size of a profiterol, which for those who don't know is like a French dessert that is a like kind of like puff pastry cut in half with ice cream in the middle, plus like chocolate sauce drizzled on top. 
Uh, those are pretty big to me. So I, I don't know if that one makes as much sense as the others. And then the final weird but cute animal that she is the size of is a bee hummingbird. So not a regular hummingbird, but it's actually a hummingbird that's the size of a bumblebee, which seems like that doesn't make sense either because a strawberry is much bigger than a bumblebee. But anyway, that's Baby Watch 2020. Great. Thank you for that. I think that that is a great transition to our new segment, Arts and Culture. This is where we get to talk about the things that are not necessarily beauty related, but that are informing our sensibility and filling our hours during quarantine. And as we've always said, beauty is a reflection of what's going on around us in culture. Bingo. So I'm really happy that you finally drank the Selling Sunset Kool-Aid. I've watched episodes of Selling Sunset, yes. Like all three seasons? Uh, no, absolutely not. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> I, I already told you my issue with watching the show was I thought it was a Bravo TV show. Um, yeah, if you and... <laughs> go into it with that mindset, you're going to be like really because confused. It's so similar, but also so different. <laughs> and so it just like, it just fucks with you. If you're used to the Bravo format and production value it's like a bizarro world yeah this is like it's made to look like a movie it's much more cinematic and it was actually developed by the same guy adam Develo, who developed the hills and the city so it's much more in that kind of like dreamy like everything has like you know that oprah filter on it where everyone looks like a little bit more glamorous and as background, this is a reality TV show about a group of realtors. A group of realtors. In um, L.A. The main realtors are, are two twin, short-of-stature men, and then the very tall women who they employ as uh, real estate agents to and sell like million-dollar houses in the Hollywood Hills. So to bring it back to beauty, I'm a little taken aback by how 2008 everyone's appearances. <laughs> I mean, and, LA, I, and I don't say that to be snarky. I say that because their whole selling point is they're this very modern, like luxury real estate agency. Yet I feel like there's a disconnect between the like weird personal appearances that are and, very like, uncomfortable. The, like, stiletto skirts heels, and pencil like, skirts. Yeah. I, I thought the same thing. Who wears like, yeah. um, it's like, it's like BB, very BB. Hervé Leger, like, yeah. there's lots of braids, lots of really tiny braid details everywhere. It's yes, like, very like the, the Bergdorf braid bar vibes. Um, yes. <laughs> I, I agree, actually, now that you say that, that it does kind of feel like a little bit of a time capsule. But the one character, or I should say human being, who is giving me a lot of glamour and a lot of looks is Christine. She's like the tall blonde woman with incredibly long, incredibly straight, like ice blonde hair, who's always wearing like neon green stilettos and like bright pink lipstick and like, you know, fake glasses and things like that. I just appreciate that she is serving us to use, uh, <laughs> to use terminology that I'm not entirely comfortable with. She's serving us glamour. And I've also been reading a lot on the Selling Sunset gossip message boards, a few things that I've learned. Number one, apparently Christine 
was so fake in like the during the filming, like just being so fake that they had to edit a ton around her to make her even seem like she wasn't acting because she was just trying desperately to like either seem nice or seem evil or seem like bitchy or whatever. And then the other piece of information that I've gathered is Chriselle, who everyone might know as the sort of focus of the third season. She was married to one of the stars of This Is Us, Justin Hartley, and he basically decided that he was going to get a divorce from her and ran to the courthouse and like filed public divorce papers, blindsiding her. Her name, which is Chriselle, was actually devised by her mother, who went into labor at a Shell gas station. And the gas attendant who helped her get to the hospital was named Chris. And so she named her daughter Chris Shell. That was a joke that she told her one time. And the daughter is too like, (laughs) it doesn't know that she was joking. No, like uh, Justin Hartley has like told the story on Chelsea Handler's Netflix talk show like a few years ago when they just got married. And she's told the story too. And she's like verified its origin. No, I don't believe it. They're trying to be quirky and interesting for TV. I mean, that's, that is like really random though. Did I tell you about going on a date with like a primetime actor? I want to hear more about it. Well, I'm obviously not going to say who it is, but no, but let's just say he's on a TV show that is on one of the major networks (laughs) that you don't need cable for. Also, he had a girlfriend, (laughs) which I found out afterwards. (laughs) Okay. Classy. Continue. And the whole time he was like playing with his hair and like looking around as if like people were looking, but he's not like that famous. I think you could probably like pass him on the street and be like, oh, he looks familiar. But I mean, you've told me who he was and I had no idea who he was. Exactly. So actually, yeah, it, that's like a great blind item because like no one will guess. Anyway, um, I don't know why I brought that up. Uh, oh, because they're, du- they're dumb as nails. <laughs> Back to Narcos. Speaking of interesting Netflix, Netflix. I'm in Mexico now. You know, last time you thought I was in Mexico. Right, the no. third the third season. No, no, no. This is a whole different... This is a sister series, Narcos, colon, Mexico. Got it. But I loved it because... Oh, I didn't think I was going to like this season because I just felt like I'd gotten so invested in, in Colombia, you know, Pablo Escobar, all my favorite characters from that season, and now we're in Mexico. I haven't been paying close enough attention. I don't speak enough of the language to know what time period... <laughs> I'm in in any given moment. There's some flashbacks, whatever. But there's crossover. So they get kidnapped in one episode and they bring them to Colombia. And then Weird. Pablo, and then Pablo's there. It's like everybody from like the first season. And it's like. Isn't that like, didn't the Brady Bunch do like a crossover with like, didn't they like used to do crossovers in like the 70s with like different shows? Hey, you know, if it works, it works. I love a TV gag like that. I love it. I think everybody should watch it. It's very glam. There's a lot of love stories. There's like a very Romeo and Juliet moment between this guy, Rafa, who's like an artist. He like grows marijuana and he like loves the plants. And he's in love with this girl, Sophia, who comes from like a very rich family. He has to like kidnap her over and over again so they can like spend time together. That sounds kind of good. Yeah. I think that's it for arts and culture this week. Should we get into our top stories? There was actually a lot of news, which is why we decided to make this a top stories only episode. And let's get right into it. So Nick, my favorite indie beauty brand is expanding. Chanel is expanding their Boy de Chanel range to include more products. There's a three-in-one eye pencil. What else is there? A fortifying gel moisturizer. 
a concealer, a foundation, an eyebrow pencil, a lip balm, and I think that might be it. But there's two nail polishes. There's and there's two men's nail polishes. Yeah, it's like a matte black and a matte natural. That's so cool. They have pictures on their Chanel Beauty Instagram account of this really handsome model applying eyeliner. I wore a lot of eyeliner in college. I went through like a big eyeliner phase and I'm all for this resurgence. What do you look for when you're shopping for an eyeliner, Nick? I usually look for what was cheap and in the drugstore, but actually one time in college I did buy, uh, Jean-Paul Gaultier did a LaMail fragrance extension into like a concealer and an eyeliner. It was kind of like an oil-based, like kind of smudgy eyeliner. And I did buy that once on eBay, which is kind of gross to buy makeup on eBay, but I was young and dumb. And I would wear that. And I also wore, which in retrospect was like incredibly insensitive and politically incorrect, one of those white and black checkered scarves that are like from the Middle East. Oh, yes. That they sold at Urban Outfitters? Yes. Um, I wore one of those stupidly. Speaking of 2008. (laughs) And then you went to the Beatrice. Yeah, and then I went to the Beatrice. And hung out with Corey Kennedy, got your photo taken by Cobra Snake. I'm all for men's makeup and experimentation. I want to get my hands on this Chanel. I feel like quarantine is the perfect time for men to experiment with their looks. Just remember, if you put on a mask, the makeup will transfer. That's a really good point. And do you also read that article, speaking of which, in Women's Wear Daily that was talking about how uh, some skincare brands are trying to make masks that have built-in technology or like topicals in them so that you won't get quote-unquote mask knee Uh, come on (laughs) i did see dr pimple popper on instagram gave or on tiktok gave a little hack which is to basically take a salicylic acid body spray and spray it on the inside of your mask before you put it on if you want to try to avoid getting breakouts from your mask no just Why? Walk, use a clean mask. These people are insane. You want salicylic acid sitting on your skin like that on your lips? There's no. This control. is what Doctor Pimple Popper said. Oh, Doctor Pimple Popper. Yes, right up there with Fauci as like the nation's leading <laughs> <laughs> expert. expert in our health and wellness. Let's get to the next story. I think we've beaten that one to death. So Byredo is going into Color Cosmetics. They posted an Instagram. Like, of course, cryptic digital art of a face with a ton of color on it and announced that they are launching something called, what is it? Color They're going to be launching Beauty Artifacts with Isamaya French, who is a British makeup artist. And she was the former like beauty director, I think, of ID Magazine. And then she went on to be the ambassador for YSL Beauté and also was working with Tom Ford Beauty. And she's going to be developing these color cosmetics, we assume, with Byredo's founder, Ben Gorham, who we're going to be speaking to on the pod in the next month because the products don't hit the website until October 1st. Why do you think their product names will be, Nick? I think they're going to be, I mean, Ben has like a crazy knack for really good product names like Peyote Poem and... To be, sorry, if you don't know, what's Byredo? Byredo is a fragrance line started by a guy named Ben Gorham, who is this sexy six foot three former professional basketball player what? who lives. Yeah. In the US? Profe- uh, no, he was a ca- in Canada, I believe, a professional basketball player. Mm. And um, he lives in Sweden now in Stockholm. And he started this line of like basically like a really tightly edited group of fragrances 
inspired by like childhood memories and things like that. And then it was acquired, the majority stake was acquired by Manzanita Capital, which is the Gap family, their fund. And then he's expanded into home fragrance, into leather goods, into sneakers they launched last week or the week before. Yeah, like sunglasses, Um, handbags, all that stuff I'm like, I don't understand, but they obviously do really well as a business with their fragrance line. It's perfumes, candles, body lotions. Actually, their candle, um, which is the one that's in all the Glossier stores? Burning Rose. Burning Rose. Their candle is like... it smells like lipstick and rose. But yeah, his names are all very, you know, romantic, aspirational, but like a little quirky, like Mojave Ghost is a really iconic fragrance that they do. Treehouse, Bibliotheque. What else, Nick? One of the original ones that I was obsessed with was called Grass, um, which mm. was this like bright, clean, green fragrance. Ball um, inspired by his dad, I believe. Ball de Freak, um, Baudelaire. There, and we could just name all the fragrances, which we're not going to do because your time is valuable. Okay, so just let's quickly come up with a shade name for them. Well, my, my bigger question is, do we think it's going to be fragranced makeup? If it's makeup artifacts, like... Do we think there's going to be something more interesting than it just being makeup? I have a feeling it's going to be like kind of what Gucci's doing right now, where it's like this very tightly edited, like one drop at a time, one product at a time, collectible. Yeah. Again, artifacts, right? Like, so maybe like a lipstick and like a crazy color with a weird name and a fragrance and, you know. I kind of love um, that. I, I like it better than what our next news story <laughs> subject does, which is like release crazy, like huge lines of products every like two months with like a million pieces. I feel like makeup is like Beanie Babies. People just collect it for the sake of like having it. But it expires. So you can't like use it after a few years, right? Tell that to anybody that's like obsessed with makeup. They hold on to it for years and years and years. Speaking of which, I've actually had some listeners come to me personally and directly to express concern over the luggage that you have under your bed full of skincare and makeup from Japan. They're like, how old is this like piece of luggage? Like all this stuff that she's like been collecting under her bed, like, is it expired? You know, is it safe that she's using it? First of all, I'm holding onto it as reference for, I don't know, shades, packaging, whatever. I'm not like using it. And if I was using it, then like, whatever, I'm using it on myself. I'm not like putting it on people. Fair. So... Thank you for your concern. There you go. So Jeffree Star is launching. Again, we don't normally cover beauty launches. I felt this one was significant because if you are familiar, I know everyone listening is, NARS's most iconic shade product was their orgasm blush, right? It got a bunch of earned media back in like, again, maybe 2008 because it was such a scandalous name. So not to be outdone, several brands since then have tried to like ride that same wave. We have like the Better Than Sex mascara from, what is it, Too Faced? Too Faced. A lot of like very overtly sexual products over the years. Jeffree Star, you know, he had like his team around his like kitchen island and they were like, what's our orgasm? And then he was like, orgy. And so the collection is basically his take on nudes, like a nude palette. And his nudes range from like super, super, super pale porcelain to like a deep chocolate. It looks like it's palettes and lip glosses. Uh, lip glosses and it's like there's pictures of him uh, hanging on each of the words of O-R-G-Y. And I feel like what, what you can kind of appreciate about Jeffree Star is he's 
kind of undeterred. Like he doesn't care that like he is the villain of this industry, you know, this industry. (laughs) And he just keeps on, he just keeps on keeping on with his like faux controversial product names. Okay. Another collaboration for the ages. Supreme X Pat McGrath. This like had a big moment on Instagram this last week. Uh, Supreme announced that they would be releasing a limited edition lipstick in Supreme Red with Mother Makeup herself, Pat McGrath. And it's not out yet. I don't part of their fall. You know, they do like basically Supreme like quote unquote drops new like little collections every week on Thursdays with their. Clothing, their skater clothing, their like skateboards, and then these like random assortment of items, some of which are kind of like really absurd, like a gun that shoots money that has like the Supreme logo on it, or like this year they have like a pinball machine and like a gasoline tank, and also Pat McGrath's Supreme red matte lipstick. What's really funny is that Supreme itself did not post a picture of the lipstick yeah, on their because, Instagram. Well, it's not out yet. They will when it like drops, you know, because right so now then, what's happening is like they do this like release. If you go to their website, they've like listed all the preview for the fall drops. So that's how everybody knows about it. But they're not going to start promoting it until like they're ready to release it. The funny thing to me about it is like obviously lipstick is not a product that Supreme's core customer, which is like a young guy, is is particularly interested in. So I think it's funny that they did something with Pat McGrath just because Nick, I don't see the I don't see the audience crossover. You know that their audience is not a young guy. Supreme? Their audience is Have you ever seen the lines outside of Supreme store? It's all young guys in in like lawn chairs waiting uh, for the drop. You're insane. The young guys that wear Supreme work at Supreme. The people that actually buy Supreme are resellers. Like in that line, they're resellers. They're task rabbits that are getting paid to wait in line so that resellers can go like swoop in and buy all the stuff when they get to the door. Or they're like dads or moms. They're poor parents and they're like 12 year old kid that like has to get like the t-shirt and the sticker pack. Or it's like hype beast, like fashion guys that have never like ridden a skateboard in their life. Right. So the supreme you, customer what, is not. Of, okay, fine. But a young, out of those, cool out of those guys, guy. who is wearing red lipstick? Their girlfriend that like wears Pat McGrath. So it's like a present for their girlfriend. Yeah, it's like Supreme for once is being like, okay, ladies, we got something for you. It's a red lipstick. Are you happy? I think it sounds fun, and I bet I don't it's like go it. I think it looks hundreds really, of dollars. I think it looks horrible. I think the branding mashup on the secondary market. It's like Frankenstein together. I don't like it. I feel like what they did. If they're going to go into beauty, if they're going to do something for lips, I think they should have collaborated with like chapstick or something. I think that would have been very cool, like a cherry chapstick. You know, because like what they do is they kind of like elevate or de-elevate certain brands. So like either like for instance they're coming out with a Colgate toothpaste also this fall that's interesting to me right like and a Ziploc bag with their logo on it okay that's kind of what they've always done this like tongue-in-cheek like oh we're gonna make it cool and put Supreme on it or they'll do like Louis Vuitton right but the Pat McGrath thing just feels too like it's too high-end you think like it's too it's too like yeah it's too too fancy yeah I think they should have done chapstick okay but I think that their design process is they sit around each other's apartments and they like close their eyes and spin in a circle with their finger out and they like will stop randomly and whatever they're pointing at, they're like, we're going to make that and put our logo on it. 
to me, like that's like kind of the fun and the genius of it is that they like take these everyday items and they brand them and like position them as something that's like collectible. But which I don't think that the Pat McGrath lipstick falls into that category. Fine. Moving on. This is something that we're speculating on. So we don't necessarily know if this is true, but we saw an Instagram post from JLo and all the glam people who work around JLo, including Mary Phillips and Chris Appleton, who does her hair, Mary Phillips does her makeup, that JLo is working on, quote, something, something, quote, end quote, special. Something is coming is what the text said on their stories or posts on Instagram, which celebrities do this all the time. In fact, they use this exact same line, something is coming, and then they get everybody yeah. excited. Last week, Ashley Tisdell did the same thing with <laughs> French. What was it? French. Huge letdown. We thought it was going to be an, another one of our favorite celebrities, influencer, makeup or wellness lines. It's a blog. It is? Yeah. No, it's makeup too. No. Well, this is a developing story and we'll get back to you. We don't know what's coming. It could be like their Postmates delivery. It could be like a new campaign for like a random brand. It could be just like a photo shoot. But I feel like why wouldn't JLo do a makeup line? Yeah. I mean, the funny thing is that recently and what's kind of amazing is that JLo and A-Rod were the face of or at least paid to do a few sponsored posts for HIMSS and hers, which are the, they started out as like telemedicine for hair loss and sexual dysfunction medication. So like Cialis and what's the hair loss one? Propecia. Propecia. uh, Propecia. And then the other one. Anyway. Don't they treat the same thing? I thought like it like helps you get an erection and grows your hair back. I don't know. I've never taken it. But then they launched like vitamin gummies and they launched, they're launching more personal care items. And they, they had JLo and A-Rod post on their main Instagram feeds and on their Instagram stories recently. And I just like think when I think of that as like a brand person, I'm like looking at dollar signs because an Instagram post from JLo, I'd say like base a million dollars, like starting. No, I don't think it's a million. I mean, Kim Kardashian was a million and Kylie and Kim were a million like four years ago. For what? For an Instagram post. Okay, here's what I don't understand is how all these gummy vitamin companies have enough money to get Kylie and Kim and all those people. I mean, I wonder if there's like an equity, agree, like they have equity in them as 1,000%. part of like the deal because otherwise like it's just such a huge... It's it's a huge expense. I mean, honestly, like it could be worth it with people who have like a really highly engaged audience. But you just wonder if like the clicks are are making up for like the cost. I will say, like Kim, I know that when Kim posts, at least in her stories about other people, even if she tags them, it doesn't send traffic to the brand or the person. Yeah, was it Kim who did a really smart collab with Function of Beauty that like customized? A hair care brand. She did like a tour of her shower and was like, these are the products that I've been using. They're, you know, like Function of Beauty is the line where like the shampoo and conditioners are like pink, pearlescent well, you pink. Can, I think you can choose the color. I think you can choose the, the color. It's like highly customizable. But again, like it's like these brands are spending a ton of money on these celebrity endorsements and these swipe up, you know, Instagram story ads. And I just wonder if the return is there. Of course, I mean, the brand awareness is huge. And I think the Kim collab was really smart in that it did kind of bring function of beauty to like the forefront of like the customized hair care market with that collab. But I wonder if it like the economics actually makes sense. Well, I'll keep you posted if we hear anything about Jacob, Jacob, JLo, <laughs> Jacob Lopez doing a makeup line. 
So Nick, this is like, we're not making light of this situation. I just, I sent it to you on Instagram because I was surprised. I don't know if everybody that's listening has been keeping up with the Britney Spears ongoing like conservatorship information that's been coming out. I hadn't seen anything in like credible news sources. I also haven't been keeping my finger on the pulse of this developing story, but basically like she isn't what in control of her own finances or even in control of her own life in a lot of ways. It sounds in like. a lot of ways. Yeah. It's like a conservatorship and forgive me for misspeaking because I'm not a lawyer is the type of agreement that someone who's mentally unable to like take care of themselves will enter into with a guardian where like the guardian, like they basically every move they make is approved by a guardian, like a personal guardian, as well as like a financial slash legal guardian. And obviously Brittany has a ton of finances and assets and whatever to control. So, And right now the conservatorship is run by her father. So we, I've been hearing rumblings, you know, free Britney has been like a hashtag or movement that's been going on in social media in the background. Obviously, there's been like really big news stories <laughs> going on in the world. So I think like that's kind of taken my attention away from anything having to do with like Britney Spears. But I follow the ACLU Instagram account and the American Civil Liberties Union. I had to do a double take because they posted like a screen grab of a Britney Spears news story saying that Britney is asking the court to curb her father's power over her as part of the conservatorship. They say people with disabilities have a right to lead self-directed lives and retain their civil rights. If Britney Spears wants to regain her civil liberties and get out of her conservatorship, we are here to help her. And then in the caption, they say, we are here to help. And they tagged her at Britney Spears, which to me is just like insane. Literally, the ACLU is reaching out to Britney like the Spears. Most, the most legitimate organization when it comes to civil liberties. Civil liberties, and, yeah. In the, in the United big. States are reaching out to Britney Spears via Instagram. I mean, like, have you read all of the stuff about how, like, people will comment on her Instagrams, like, if you need help, like, wear something yellow in the next video. And people have theorized that that's why she'll do these, like, kind of bizarre Instagrams where she's walking back and forth, you know, in front of the camera wearing, like, a yellow dress for no reason. Like, it's because she's kind of responding to these, like, So she's basically been, like, codes. speaking in code to kind her followers. Of. It's been this, like, weird situation. Well, this is why it was hard for me to take seriously at first, because it felt like just a weird conspiracy theory. People were saying, yeah, she wore yellow, so it means that she's trapped. It's kind of like one of those things where it's like, if you need help, blink twice, you know? Yeah, yeah. well, I mean, I think, th- and, and this ACLU post kind of legitimizes the Free Britney the movement. yeah. Yeah. So, because I guess she did file, like, a real request. So. yeah. This is a developing story. We will keep everyone posted. And we wish Britney Spears the best in her like mental health journey. Yeah. We cover it on this show. It's important. It's an important aspect of the topic of beauty. Okay, Nick, have you ever seen Moneyball or like The Big Short? Yes. Okay. So this has nothing to do with that, but that- <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of the same terminology, so I'm going to do my best. If this was Moneyball, I would be Jonah Hill. Okay. Or... You know what? I would be Jonah Hill in um, what was the movie with all the Wolf cocaine? of Wall Street. Wolf of Wall Street. City Group fucked up. Bloomberg is reporting this as the worst Wall Street bungle in a long time. So I'm going to do my best to explain what's going on. Basically, City Group on Wednesday, loan operation staff at the New York Bank wired $900 million, aka almost a billion dollars, seemingly on behalf of Revlon to lenders of the troubled cosmetic giant controlled by billionaire Ron Perlman. 
they're chalking it up to a clerical error, but like to mistaken. I mean, the crazy thing is like mistakenly wiring a billion dollars to lenders of a potentially defaulting company like is wild, if only because the people who receive the money are like not necessarily going to give it back. They're not giving it back. They're saying, no, we were owed this money. Something weird is going on because also the amount that they wired to the lenders was apparently the exact amount that Revlon has owed on all of their defaulting loans. Revlon's been in trouble for a long time, and they've been trying to make different deals with different lender groups. And there's been all sorts of rumors about acquisition attempts or ways to sort of like save the company. And this is sort of the latest in a little uh, a mess that the company's been in. I want the best for Revlon because we have a friend who is their creative director, who's super talented, Ruba Abunima. And then they also have Megan the Stallion as their face right now, who I um, fully support. You know what they should have done? What? A lipstick with fucking Supreme. Revlon. That, that would have been drugstore elevating, you know. Elevating the everyday. Yeah. So this next story is one that we can't comment on for obvious reasons. It's a huge conflict of interest for both me and Nick. Um, it has to do with Glossier, where we both worked. And in honor of the tough subject matter, I'm going to pass it along to Nick. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Um, so basically what happened is what we've been seeing happen with a lot of these big millennial companies, which is that a group of former employees who feel upset and taken advantage of, and in some cases discriminated against, will start an Instagram account sort of compiling all of the different accounts of different former employees of whether it's racism or transphobia or uh, ableism, and sort of like asking the companies that they used to work for to take accountability. So this happened, we saw this with the yoga to the people Instagram account that we covered a few weeks ago. We've seen this with the wing And now out of the gloss, an Instagram handle that was launched, I think this past week, basically accused Glossier and its, you know, various managers and even sort of HR teams of misconduct and taking advantage and not communicating effectively and not protecting the retail employees from abusive customers and several other accusations that we won't really try to summarize here because they're best left to those who experience them. But, you know, obviously this is, and Glossier, to be clear, did address many of their concerns, though there's, you know, still debate raging on on the internet, or I should say on Instagram, about, you know, whether there's enough accountability being demonstrated by Glossier. And I think, you know, what Andy and I wanted to do is sort of mention this is going on. You know, we both have ties to the company that we haven't been employed in many years by the company. So we can't, we don't really feel comfortable or that it's our place to like center ourselves in this narrative. But we encourage people to check out Out of the Gloss and then Glossier's response on their Instagram because it's interesting to see how, you know, in 2020, you know, former employees are dealing with wrongs that they've experienced at their companies and also how the companies are sort of having to take greater public accountability for their actions or inactions. Shall we go to product reviews? Let's do it. 
So my product of the week, I want to start with the disclaimer. I feel like there's been lots of disclaimers and caveats and asterisks in this episode, so we should be mindful of that moving forward. But my disclaimer is that we are super lucky to have the founders of this brand next week as our guests on the podcast, but it's because I became obsessed with their product and asked them to come on the podcast. It is Magic Spoon Grain-Free Cereal. And you can buy it on magicspoon.com. And what I love about it is I've been looking for a healthy breakfast. And we're going to talk about next week, like, is breakfast important or should we all be fasting for more than 12 hours? But what I love about Magic Spoon is that it's kind of, it is magic because it includes 11 grams of protein, one gram of fiber, very little fat and saturated fat, and only three grams of net carbs and zero grams of sugar. It uses monk fruit extract and stevia as like the sweeteners in the cereal, but it actually tastes really, really good. And so you have the experience of eating like a children's cereal, like a Fruit Loops, but without without any of the guilt. Sorry, can you just tell me what it is made out of then? It is made out of milk protein, sweetener, which is the monk fruit and stevia, Sunflower oil, avocado oil, tapioca starch, cocoa powder in the chocolate version, inulin, which is from chicory root, natural flavor, and salt. It tastes delicious. It has like a tiny bit of an aftertaste, but like God doesn't give with both hands. And what I love about it is that you kind of feel like you're getting your breakfast protein to like get your body and your brain going for the day. But my previous quarantine breakfast had been Erwan fruit and nut toast, two pieces with ghee on it. And that is not setting you up for success <laughs> during, during the day. That is a heavy breakfast and was getting in the way of my fitness goals. And Magic Spoon really came to the rescue. The one thing I will say is that it is expensive AF. And this is like kind of the one thing that you could, the one accusation you could level against the brand is that, let me tell you how much money it is, Annie. I'm dying to know. So, sorry, while you're looking this up, just to get this right, it's made of milk and you pour milk over it. Oh my God, yes. Mm -hmm. It's like, Mm -hmm. it's like cannibalism or something. Is there lactose in it? Can you eat it if you're lactose intolerant? Yes. Well, there's milk. It says contains milk. So if you're lactose intolerant or allergic to milk, or vegan, I would not, or vegan, I, this is not for you. The way that it comes is in a case, which is four boxes. You can buy a variety pack. Like basically, I'm going to give you the real, the real talk. You can get their like frosted Cheerios. You can get their Fruit Loops. You can get their Cocoa Puffs or their blueberry cereal in a variety pack. And that is $39 for four boxes which they like to break down to $1.39 per bowl. But obviously it's like $10 a box for cereal, which is expensive, but it's delicious and it's like actually good for you. So you and I both know from like formulation perspective that like when you use high quality ingredients, they're just plainly more expensive than like fillers and fake things. And you can also choose different, you, you can get like a box full of just the cinnamon toast crunch version. Okay. So how much is it? How much is it? How much is it? $39 oh, you, for four boxes. $40? $10, $10 a box. I didn't say nice. it was going to come cheap. And what's funny is that obviously it's not it's not stopping anyone from buying it because there were different points during the quarantine where they were completely sold out of all their inventory. So they're stocked on magicspoon.com right now. And I'm actually, let's do a little ASMR. 
Ew, oh, Nick. They're a little soggy because chew, I've been talking a lot. Chew with your but. mouth closed. Sorry. I'm eating their strawberry flavor right now, which is one of their seasonal flavors, and it's delicious. Are you using cow's milk or plant-based milk? Almond milk. <laughs> That's kind of funny, though, right? Isn't that a little ironic? Yeah. Okay. It's like rain on your wedding day. My favorite thing that we used to get at Air One it was those damn chocolate chip cookies at the register. They're, oh, what are those? God, those were good. Those were called, like... Either like delish or like delightful. Like my favorite thing uh, about going to Air One with Nick is that there's no, you know, when you're like in the store and you're like, okay, if I were like really bad today, I would, or like if nobody was watching me, if I worked out this morning, if all my clothes are too big, and I have all the time in the world today to not see anyone or do anything, I would buy like <laughs> an appetizer, a sparkling water the mains like three mains just for variety and a dessert and nick is like very encouraging of this behavior yeah i'm an erwan member and i mean actually pre-quarantine we would buy a lot at erwan erwan is basically the way i describe it is it's an la grocery store that makes whole foods feel like trader joe's so it like it's like one step more precious than whole foods with their produce and their packaged goods. A lot of the things there you've never heard of. Like a lot yeah. of the things you would never consider purchasing. They have like popped lily pad seeds as like a snack. It's like what people in Topanga Canyon eat. Yeah. Like not real people. Their stuff is delicious and they have a fake version of Magic Spoon actually, but it was, it didn't look as good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Anyway, what's your product of the week? So... This is really just a plea for any prospective or up-and-coming women's underwear designer. We know Victoria's Secret's out of the picture. They're, like, canceled. There have been other, like, underwear brands that have launched, but they're, like, oh, we're made out of recycled bottles or, like, all these, like, weird materials that you shouldn't be putting in areas where, like, your pH could be affected. Anyway, so I've been on the hunt for, like, a really chic, high-cut cotton full cotton underwear that's not like $30 a piece which is like what you run into with like the Cosabellas and the hanky pinkies of the world right got it so at a certain point in my life a girl told me about plain white cotton t-shirts that I could get on Amazon and I'm not going to tell you guys what they are because I don't want everybody to buy them out but you know how important it is to find like a plain white cotton t-shirt that fits you perfectly that's inexpensive right yeah okay so this is that for underwear it's on Amazon Please, you know, buy them once, but otherwise, like, somebody please just make these in a more, like, sustainable way that won't, like, make Jeff Bezos more rich. But put in your Amazon search, Iris and Lily, Amazon brand, women's cotton. They have high-waisted, like, almost, like, French-cut panties and high-waisted thongs in, like, black, a beautiful blush-toned pink and bright white, a pack of five is $17 and they're like the hottest chicest underwear you will and like you know healthiest I guess that you will ever buy or own heard it here first I don't encourage buying from Amazon otherwise fair enough one last reminder before we leave you with our credits we are going to be doing a Q&A episode soon we are just in the process of assembling all of the questions we've received and then finding out if we need an expert who we should ask to answer the question because we don't know everything. So definitely send us your questions, your concerns to hi at eyewitnessbeauty.com or DM us at eyewitnessbeauty on Instagram. And uh, with that, I will say that's this week's episode of Eyewitness Beauty. 
Eyewitness Beauty is produced by Jessamine Molly of Seaplane Armada. Our art is by Simon Abronowitz, and our theme music is by Danny Prezant. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. You can follow us on Instagram at eyewitnessbeauty or write to us at hi at eyewitnessbeauty.com like Nick just said. We'll be back next week with another brand new episode, so we'll talk to you then. Free Britney. Free Britney.